Good morning, everyone. I missed my cue this morning, but I got up here. We made it. Uh, Thank you for uh, choosing to come worship with us at Crestview Baptist Church today. We're glad to have you with us. If you're a guest or a visitor and you're with us for the first time, there are uh, visitor cards in the pews that you can fill out and drop in the offering box just so we can get to know a little bit more about you. Um, The bulletin is full of announcements for the week. And a couple things in here uh, that we missed because of the um, holiday tomorrow. Uh, The prayer tomorrow night will not, the prayer that was in there for tomorrow night will not be tomorrow night. It will be Tuesday night. So, uh, and um, don't forget we have our revival coming up in just a a week, right? Just a week from today, we start our revival. Looking forward to that. Um, Don't forget our Wednesday night services. We have our um, children and youth. Uh, services out in the building, our adult, our adult services in here. Um, I see in here on September, the, on Friday, September the 23rd, we're going to be feeding the Crest uh, varsity football team and the coaches and the band. So what we'll need for that is, I'm assuming we're doing spaghetti. Every year I've been here, we've, we, we've always done spaghetti. We need helpers because it is a lot to get done. It is a lot of food to serve. So if you are interested in that and can help out with that, um, see Artie, let him know, and uh, we'll get you signed up for that. Um, we are planning on having a work day on uh, Thursday night, weather uh, dependent. Uh, if you have any questions about that, you can see Mr. Terry, Mr. Whitey. They will uh, uh point you in the right direction some things we're going to work on if, if you're interested in anything particular and the only other announcement I have that I believe is uh, right after Sunday school right after preaching today Sunday school is over right after preaching today if you have signed up to work in the nursery or if you go- would like to sign up to work in the nursery on a rotating Sunday Celeste is going to want to, have to, meet, want to meet you guys just up here just come up here to the front. Celeste wants to have a brief meeting with you guys um, about that. Um, and uh, I don't think I have any more announcements. Uh, I just would invite you at this time to let's focus our hearts on God this morning. And let's uh, push the world, all the things in the world going on out. And let's just focus on him for a little while. Good morning. It is good to see you all, but you can definitely tell it's a holiday weekend. Um, We have a lot of people missing today, so um, I'm glad you are here. Just to reiterate, um, our cottage prayer meetings that we've been having um, have not been that greatly attended, just to put it mildly. Um, In several cases, we have had only two people. But we have had as many as uh, seven or eight for one of our prayer meetings. But I encourage you, this coming Tuesday, we are going to meet here in the sanctuary at 6.30 Tuesday. We're going to pray over our sanctuary. We're going to pray over every seat in this place, praying for the person that will be sitting there, praying over the pulpit, praying over uh, this entire room. Because church, we need revival. 
And revival starts with prayer. So I ask you to meet us here at 6.30 this coming Tuesday here in the sanctuary as we pray over our sanctuary preparing for revival. Continue to pray for Richard Holden. He is going to be our speaker for our revival. He'll be here um, next Sunday morning beginning the revival services. And then 6.30 Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday nights. Our revival will go from September 11th through September 14th. And I ask that uh, you make every effort to be here. You don't want to miss this as we seek God igniting the joy of of his salvation in us and in our church. So at this time, if you would be join with me in prayer as we begin our time together this morning. Our blessed Heavenly Father, we come before you praising your name. And dear Lord, I echo what Chad has said. We ask just for this short hour, dear Lord, that you take all the distractions of this life. You take the worries about what's going to happen after the service. Where we're going to go eat. Did I turn the burner down so so the beans don't burn time I get home? How am I going to pay this bill? How am I going to pay that bill? What am I doing tomorrow? Where are my children? Lord, I ask you to take all of those and just for this short hour that you just blot those out of our minds so that we can fully concentrate on you. That our eyes and our minds stay fixed on our Savior. That we can 100% worship you today. Dear Lord, because you alone are worthy of glory, you alone are worthy of praise, and you alone are worthy of our worship. And dear Lord, we ask you that your spirit move among your people this morning. That as I speak today, that you will speak through me with such power that the words will penetrate our hearts. Dear Lord, as Chad speaks this morning to the children, that they will hear his words, that they will understand what is being said. And that foundation will be laid in their lives. I ask you to speak through Sandra this morning and through the choir as they lead us in worship. That we will understand the words that we are singing. That we will sing these words with a heartfelt gratitude and reverence to you. And above all, dear Lord, may the gospel be proclaimed today. May lives be changed for all eternity. And we give you that praise. And dear Lord, I ask that you grant all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our risen and living Savior. Amen. For our call to worship, we're going to sing hymn number 177. There's something about that name. 
We're going to sing it one time through, and then someone is going to read a recitation to us, and then at the end of that recitation, we will come back in with this song. But during that recitation, don't just concentrate on <coughs> reading the words, but listen, let these words really absorb into your heart about the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Would you stand as we sing?
people said, Amen. Amen. All right, if there's any kids here this morning, I'll have them come forward. I know I got at least one here. All right, come stand up here with me. All right, I'm going to tell you. Here, come, sorry. Right here in front of me. So, you haven't been here, you haven't been here but with the other kids, that some of them are watching at home. You can turn this way. You can turn this way. The other ones that are watching at home, I know, we have been going through the Lord's Prayer. Have you ever heard of the Lord's Prayer before? You never heard of that? Well, we're going to talk about it. I'm going to get you caught up today when we go to children's church, okay? Me and you, we're going to get caught up on the Lord's Prayer. But today, we are finishing our study on the Lord's Prayer. I got a question. So what, have you, when you hear somebody pray, what do they say at the end? Have you heard somebody pray and then they say something at the end? What do they say? Amen. Amen. Good job. Okay. And so have you ever wondered why, why are they saying amen at the end of it? Do you know, have you ever wondered that? You, well, do you know why they say amen at the end of it? Kind of like saying bye on the telephone, maybe. Maybe it could be kind of like that. But we say amen. All right, I'm giving you an example. Somebody, if somebody asks you, say, hey, are you, how are you doing today? Or how, what do you think about this shirt I'm wearing? And you give them this right here. What does that mean? It means good, right? It means you approve of the shirt they're wearing. You approve of what they ask you. Thumbs up, right? Saying an amen is sort of like, Give it a thumbs up to God. It's saying, you know what? I agree. I, I, I fully and completely agree with what was just said. And I stand behind it. And I say, like if preacher Artie was praying and he gets, and I say amen when he gets done. Because I agreed with what he, all the words he was saying. And it does signal that we end the prayer. But it's a sign of approval, a nod of approval of the prayer that we just prayed. And so when we go outside, when we go over here in a minute, we, you, we're going to talk about that Lord's Prayer and what we were talking about. And we're going to learn it and we're going to start writing it down. And uh, you're just going to be ahead of everybody else, okay? All right, you ready? Let's bow our heads and pray. Thank you, God, for this day. Thank you for your love, God. Thank you for all the wonderful things for us that you do for us. And just thank you for allowing us a way through, a, like, a way through prayer to talk to you and to conversate with you. We just love you and we praise your name and all we do and everybody says amen. Amen. Good job. We use our hands every day in everything we do. We embrace our loved ones. We shake hands with strangers. We use our hands in our jobs. We use our hands to write at school. We use our hands to clean, cook, we use our hands for everything. Our hands can be good, used for good, and our hands can be used for bad. That being said, I'll tell you a little short story about me. So Friday, I had to mail uh, a title, and it had to be overnight. So I had the envelope, got it notarized, got it witnessed, and just patting myself on the back, I was doing so good because I had 100 things to do that day. I went to the little box, the UPS box, and dropped it off. I got home 
there lay on the table the address that is supposed to go on the package. So I thought, oh no, what am I going to do? So it was in the little box, not knowing what time UPS was coming to pick it up. So I thought, I know, I'm gonna go back to that box and reach my hand down in there <clears throat> and get this envelope because I'm sure mine would be on the top. So I'm thinking on the way there, it's gonna be headlines, Minister of Music at Crestview Baptist Church arrested for tampering with mail. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm, I'm praying, Lord, what am I going to do? Lord, help me. Lord, help me. And I get to the first stoplight, and I look in the rearview mirror, and there's the UPS truck right behind me. And what did I do? Thank you, Jesus. And the light turned green. You know, everybody's blowing the horn. Go, go, go. But, you know, I'm praising God. And so there I thought, huh, I was going to be using my hands for sin <laughs> but now that i'm lifting them up to jesus and i'm praising him so it made me curious about really why we raise our hands and praising jesus so i could just imagine my arm in that box and me being arrested and them saying stick them up so my hands will be up <laughs> so when you are raising your hands in surrender that's what you're doing you're surrendering your all so when we lift our hands to Jesus, that's what we're doing. We're surrendering ourselves, our all. Our hands represent us. So when we lift our hands to Jesus, whether it's during praying or singing or the worship, we are giving our all. And Paul told us in the Bible, he said that, um, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands. So holy means to be concentrated. So we're giving our all. To Jesus when we lift our hands. Hardest thing in the world for some of us to do is to lift our hands when we're worshiping. But the Bible encourages us to do so. So as we sing, you're going to probably see some choir members lifting hands. And if you want to give your all to Jesus today, you lift your hands with us.
Thank you, choir. I do have a question for Sandra, and I am sure it's the same question that everybody has. So did you get your envelope back? You did? Legally? Okay. And I need to tell you something else. I know why, why you were talking about them saying stick it up, but what they would have told you is put your hands behind your back. And then they would have Roscoe'd you and stuffed you and, and cuffed you and stuffed you. <laughs> well, today we culminate in the series of sermons that I have been preaching for the last several weeks about being a disciple of Christ. And today's title, A Disciple's Call to Revival. You see, in today's society, we have to put fancy words with everything. Everything has got to have uh, some sort of title. And we hear this a lot when we have pastors meetings. We have uh, specialists that come and help churches with revitalization. Or rebranding their church to make things more attractive to people and to get people to come. Well, instead of being revitalized and, and rebranded and renamed and changing things, what we need to do is we need to have revival in our churches. Just good old-fashioned revival. So we're going to look at a disciple's call to revival today. So if you'd turn your Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter 7, and we're going to, to look at one key verse here, but then we're going to look at, at a broader passage that this verse is part of to understand it. But if you would stand, we're going to look at, at 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. And my page is flipped in my Bible. Second Chronicles 7, verse 14. And my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their land and will, or their sin and will heal their land. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we come before you once again. I thank you for what we see recorded here in Second Chronicles. Dear Lord, I thank you for this call to revival we see here and your faithfulness to fulfill your promise. Bless the reading of your word. Speak through me today. And it's in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, the first point today is understanding God's call to revival. And to understand, we need to look at a broader passage here. You'll notice one thing. 
when I was reading that passage, if you are reading the King James Version or reading another version, there may be a word that's different at the very beginning. I know in the King James Version it says, if my people. And in the version I read, and my people. Well, you have to understand something. When I first looked at that and I read it, I'm like, well, wait a second, that's different than it, it is. So I started looking in, in the original Hebrew, and I cannot read Hebrew, and I'm so thankful for people that can and, and explain it. But the, the word if is actually not in the original language there. So you have to look at the the entire passage and look at it in context to understand that that word if was placed there for us to understand what he was talking about. So let's look at this as we try to understand what God is calling us here to revival. Look at verses 12 through 16. Solomon, King Solomon, the son of King David, had just finished the temple and had been praying and offering sacrifices in the temple to honor God in the completion in the completion of the temple. So here in verse 12 God appears to Solomon and this is what it says it says then the Lord appeared to Solomon at night and said to him I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. If I shut up the heavens, you see, there's the first if. If I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if, the third if, I send pestilence among my people, and my people pray, or, and my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will hear of their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer offered in this place. For now I have chosen and consecrated this house that my name may be there forever, and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually." This is one big if-then statement that God makes here. If I do this, if I do this, and if I do this, and inferred if, and if I'm doing all this, and then my, my people do these things, I will hear their prayers. And I will answer their prayers. but we have to understand a couple of other things. Who is being called here? Look at what it, the first part of verse 14. And my people who are called by my name. This is not a call to the entire world. This is not a call to the lost. 
This is not an evangelic call. It is a call to the people of God. The people of God are being called to revival. This is not just a call to God's chosen people, the people of Israel, the Jews. It's not a call. And, and listen, I'm going to tell you for, for certain, there's going to be somebody that hears this message today, whether it's online or in person, they're going to say, well, this is the Old Testament. This has nothing to do with God's church today. I beg to differ. Because this call is not just to God's chosen people, but it says to the people, my people who are called by my name. This extends to every person that has taken the name of, G, of, of God. The, the actual language here, the, the original language, the Hebrew, it actually, what it says is un, the people that are under my name. That means us. As disciples of Jesus, we have taken on his name. We are God's people. The New Testament says that we have been chosen. We are part of his chosen people. See, in Acts 11.26, it says this, And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch, and for an entire year they met with the church and taught considerable numbers. And the disciples were first called, what? Christians in Antioch. That word Christian means of the party of Christ. Belonging to Christ. Guess what that means? That means we have taken on His name. We have been identified as His people. That's what that word Christian means. Which makes us His people. Called by His name. Which means that this verse and this passage 100% is applicable to our lives today. <clears throat> so what are we being called to do? Second Chronicles 7.14, the second part, 14b. Humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. See, God is calling us, His disciples, to do four distinct things in our lives that will lead to revival. The first is humble ourselves. And this may be the most difficult one of all, especially for Baptists. Because from the very beginning, the very foundation of the, the, the Baptist denomination, we have been headstrong. We have been stubborn. If we don't like it, we leave and start something we want. That's who we are. 
But before we're Baptist, what are we? We are Christian. We belong to God. And we have to humble ourselves. We have to get to the point where we are humble. In, the, the, in one of uh, the Lord of the Ring movies, I think it's The Two Towers, the second movie in the series. And, and those of you that aren't familiar with these, these are based on uh, J.R. Tolkien's books, The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbits. These are the books. And, and in one scene, you have the character Aragorn that is a king in his own right, but he has not been crowned king yet. But he is the last remaining descendant of a royal line. And he disagrees with the king of Thed and the king of Rohan. And he stops him from killing somebody. And as Theoden is glaring at Aragorn, and everybody starts saying, Long live the king, long live King Theoden. Aragorn, a higher king, a king of kings, humbles himself and bows and kneels before Theoden, humbling himself. Guys, that is what Jesus did for us. The King of kings and lords of lords humbled himself. Took on human form. Humbled himself yet again. And allowed himself to be crucified. And now he's calling his disciples to humble themselves. To bow down. Put aside what we want. That doesn't mean that we are weak. Because the Bible also tells us that we will receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon us. And it is in that strength that we are able to humble ourselves before God. That we can bend our knee and worship Him. And bend our knee and confess that we don't have all the answers. That we can't fix everything. But he wants us to humble ourselves and not be stiff-necked, not be proud, not be pig-headed. But he wants us to humble ourselves. And then it says pray. Number two, pray. Now this prayer... <coughs> It's not just, now I lay me down to sleep type prayer. Because we have humbled ourselves. This is the prayer of a broken person. A person that does not have any answers. A person that cannot fix what's going on. A person that is totally and absolutely crushed. That heartfelt prayer that I have heard many people pray. Here at this altar. That heartfelt prayer that I have heard my own mother pray for her children. 
That prayer that when you have someone on their deathbed and their loved ones are gathered around praying. It is where the rubber meets the road. It is the prayer where you pour out your heart to God. And many times you don't even have the words to say. And all you can do is sit there and cry. That is the type of prayer that God wants from us. And then third is seek his face. This is where the obedience of a disciple. That is what this is about. That we we are constantly trying to do his will. That we are striving after him. We are hungering after him. Can I ask you a question? Those of you that are married or have a special person in your life, you remember when you were first dating? I think about my kids, and I remember back, even though it's been a long time ago, you know, Ginger and I have been married almost 30 years now, and some of you have been married a lot longer than that, but I remember that when we were first dating, and I was so, as they say, Twitter-pated, I was just, I could not stand to be away from her. And I remember when we were separated, how it was a physical pain down in here being separated. And the only thing that would ease that pain is to be, is to be able to look at her. And I remember taking that, that picture and just staring at it as I thought about her. Now, guys, don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. Because I know you do. And I know there's people sitting in this congregation right now that have that type of love for a loved one that's already gone on. And the pain that's associated with that. But the hope is, is that we will be reunited again. Guys, that's what it's talking about when it says seek his face is having that kind of longing of the things of God that you cannot stand to be away from God, that you want to be with him, you want to know him, you want to know everything there is about him and you want to do what he wants you to do. When it says here to seek his face, that's what he's talking about. That love and that just, just wanting to be in their presence. That's the type of thing that it's talking about when it says that we are to seek his face. And then the scripture says, turn from their wicked ways. But what that is, is that we have to repent. We have to humble ourselves. We have to pray earnestly. We have to, to have that longing, the seeking His face just to be in His presence. And we have to repent. We have to turn our backs on what is there that we're doing. It's not just saying, I'm sorry. But this word and this, this language leaves here is that it's an action. 
It's just not a verbal thing, but it's a literal physical action that takes place here where you turn your back on what you were doing, how you were living, and you turn toward God and head toward Him. You do a complete 180 away from your old life to the new life. Now we have to remember this. This is the thing. This call, these commands here, humble ourselves, pray, seek His face, repent. This is not to the lost. This is not evangelical. This is not sharing the gospel. This is toward people that already know Christ as their Savior. Already His people. Because we all need to do this. This is the stuff that Paul talks about when he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable act of worship. This is what Paul was talking about. This is what we have to do. Why? Because we are stubborn. We are self-centered. There are times that we want to turn things over to God and as soon as we have a little hiccup in the road, we want to grab it back. We can't sit there and not have control. That is our human nature. But God is calling us to something that goes far beyond human nature. He is wanting us to do something that is totally unnatural for us. But the more we do it, the easier it becomes, and that is to give up everything. To let Him have control. To totally... Listen, church, I'm human. I know there's things that I need to confess. There's things that I need to repent of and ask forgiveness for. And because I know that of myself, I know that of you too. And if you're honest with yourself, you do too. Each of these things, each one of these four, are necessary to prepare our hearts for revival. We are not going to have revival in our land. We're not going to have revival in our church until God's people are willing to humble themselves. They're willing to earnestly pray. They are earnestly willing to seek His face regardless of what society says. And they're willing to repent. Have that humble attitude of repentance and turn their backs on the things of the world. And then what happens when we listen and answer God's call? When we do what God is telling us to do, what does God do? We'll look at the last part of verse 14. Then will I hear from heaven will forgive their sin and will heal their land. In a word, 
revival. Not rebranding. Not revitalization. But revival. That word itself, revival. What does it mean? It means to make alive again. To revive. Church, we have forgotten what it means to be on fire. What it means to, to burn with the power of the Holy Spirit. What it means to seek God in everything. We have become too comfortable and we have forgotten. David says it like this. He says, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Church, what we need is revival. And when we do these things that God is calling us to do, He promises us that He will hear us, that He will answer those prayers, and He will revive us. He will, will, will heal our land. One time at camp, we had several kids that that accepted Christ and there was just a people crying and praying with each other and Callie at the time it was Callie Bridges Callie said as we were all gathered together she said this and it stuck with me since then God showed up and showed out and that's what revival is when God shows up among his people, and he shows out. He starts doing things in our lives. He starts rekindling that fire that's in us. Let me tell you something. Everybody that lives in Cleveland County knows that there's a big rivalry between, among county schools. One of the biggest is Shelby and Crest. Which is funny now because most of the kids in schools, they go to church together, they play ball together at different elementary schools and everything like that for their entire lives. They know each other. We got cheerleaders at Crest dating football players at Shelby and Shelby uh, 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 dating people from Crest. You know, he even had, had a football player on the JV team dating a senior at Crest High School and that person went to Burns. At one point, woke you up, didn't I? <laughs> that rivalry is real, and it was never more apparent than this past Friday night at the Shelby Crest football game. There were cars everywhere. There were cars parked up and down Old Bowling Springs Road. They were down Crest Road. They were in any place that could be cars could be parked. There were cars parked there. Stands were packed on both sides. People lining the fence on both sides. The game didn't get over until almost 11 o'clock. You can hear by my voice that it is getting scratchy and weak because of the amount of yelling I did Friday night. And the, the way people cheered 
and the excitement in the air over a high school football game in all of eternity. Now, I, I wanted Crest to win. And at one point, I said, we're going to lose every county game we play this year. We're not going to win. We are down 23 to nothing. We're going to lose every single one of them. But Crest came back and won the game. And everybody was excited. Everybody's running around, hugging each other, giving each other high fives over a high school football game. And a hundred years from now, who cares if Crest won or Shelby won? And some of the very people, myself included, that were sitting at that ball game acting the fool, cheering and screaming and yelling and, and, and rooting and excited and disappointed. Some of those very people are sitting in churches today. Hearing sermons about stuff that have eternal implications. And all we can think about is how, when do we get out of service so I can go eat lunch? Church, our priorities are messed up. Can you imagine what would happen if a congregation of believers had that much excitement over what God was doing in their midst? What God was doing and we cheered, and we screamed, and we shouted, and we loved on each other, and we went to each other, giving each other hugs and high fives about what God was doing, how much excitement, what would happen in that church? Church, we, we start our revival services next week. And my challenge to you, church, is are you ready to receive the revival that God's offering? Are you willing to answer the call to revival and do what's needed in your own lives and in the lives of our church to, to get that fire back, to be revived, to be made alive again? This is not an evangelical message. But let me tell you something. When a church becomes alive and a church gets on fire, one of the results of that is people get saved. God's call here is not to the lost. It is to His people. And when His people answer His call and are obedient to His call, the result of that is people come to know Jesus. Every time, without fail, it is a byproduct of people, the people of God coming back to God. You know, Jonathan Edwards was speaking about, uh, was writing about a, a great revival that took place in Massachusetts and how that the entire town came to God. 
And the power of the Holy Spirit was so great in that town that as men even walked into the city limits, all the bars shut down. But as men walked into that, to the city and got into the, 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 just the city limits, that they felt the convicting power of the Holy Spirit and they fell on their knees confessing and repenting and turning to God. Church, we get so up in arms about what is going on in our society today. And we say that Jesus is the answer, but then we do nothing about it. The one thing we can do about it, church, is that we can fix what we have. We can fix ourselves, and we can give ourselves to God, and we can answer the call and turn back to Him and allow Him to begin working in us. And in turn... He'll start working on the problems that we are facing because he promises us that. Now is the time to answer his call. What do you choose to do? Would you stand as we sing our hymn of invitation, number 310, Out of My Bondage, Sorrow, and Night, 310. for being here this morning. Church, I encourage you, Tuesday night, 6.30 in the sanctuary, please come. Join us as we pray over our sanctuary and pray over every seat and pray over the pulpit that we may be prepared to receive the revival that God is wanting us to experience. 
So I encourage you to be here 6.30 Tuesday night. Don't forget Wednesday night, 7, or 6.30, we have adult Bible study in here in the sanctuary as well as youth and children Bible study in the youth building. We also, God answered prayer. I said something about it Wednesday night. Last Sunday, we had a young lady that was here from Gardner-Webb. She has agreed to be our interpreter, our ASL interpreter. She will begin Wednesday night here interpreting for our services and um, will be here through the revival and, and all other times. Um, her name is Summer, so when she comes this Wednesday night, make sure you, th you thank her and, and, and welcome her as she's going to be with us, hopefully for the next couple of years, because she is a junior at Gardner-Webb right now. So um, that is an answer to prayer. We've been praying for an interpreter for over a year now that we would be able to have one. Tara is excited. She will be back to church Wednesday night and will be here on Sunday mornings because we have an in-house interpreter. We are so grateful for the fact that we were able to, to utilize our interpreters long distance um, over the last several years, but now we're going to have somebody in-house that can interact with Tara, and it's, it's going to be great. We're excited about that. So thank you again for being here. Um, today, and I will ask Jim as our deacon of week if he would dismiss us. And don't forget, if you have signed up to work nursery or would like to help with the nursery, see uh, Celeste right up here at the front. She'll be in here in just a moment. She's working with the children right now, but just pray that, uh, or just meet her up here at the front after we dismiss. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord. For speaking to us today thank you for being with us here and bringing us together as your as your church as your part of the body of Christ I ask that you'd rekindle a fire in our hearts Lord bring us back tomorrow night oh, Tuesday night rather in, in, in this same place and help us to prepare our hearts for revival to pray here bring us back Wednesday night for a time of prayer a time of Bible study Keep the fire burning in our hearts, Lord. Help us to humble ourselves. Help us to seek the, the joy of our salvation renewed. To be once again as enthusiastic about the things of God as we are sometimes of the things of the world. Help us to focus upon you, your light, and your way. Be with us now as we go out and help us to continue to prepare for this time of revival we're, we're approaching. And thank you for, for loving us, for saving us. In Christ's name, amen.